Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to The Business of You. Today's guest on The Business of You is Irene Nakamura. Irene is a person who doesn't sit still. I quickly learned that on our interview. She is the founder and CEO of a company called IDEPO Reporters and IDEPO Hawaii LLC. Irene shared a great tagline with me, where, which is that they handle everything from file to trial of many legal uh, and litigation issues that people encounter. She's built a thriving business that has multiple locations and they are expanding nationwide. On top of that, Irene is actively building her personal brand and her speaking career. She's also an author and a coach. As I mentioned, she doesn't sit still. In fact, our interview was at 5.30 a.m. her time. It was great getting to know Irene on our interview, and I hope you enjoy this episode of The Business of You as you take a deep dive into learning about Irene's early court reporting days and her training as a stenographer, and then how she took her training and her profession and built it into a thriving business of employing other stenographers and other folks who, again, really reinforce and are kind of greasing the wheels of our legal system to operate by offering videography and stenography and other types of services for the legal industry. Enjoy the business of you. Irene, welcome to the business of you. How's your day going so far? It's going wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Excited. So Irene, you have, uh, in just a little bit of time, we've been talking pre-hitting record, the record button. Your story sounds extremely interesting. So would love to hear how you how you arrived at what you do today, which is running, you know, a multifaceted um, court reporting business. What tell us tell us a little bit about your journey to starting this business? What was your what were your young years like? Let's start there. Well, I think when I was young, you know, I was conditioned to, you know, follow the path that my mom had led for me. You know, and so she was grooming me to become a good wife and a mother. Um, and that was my path. Um, so education wasn't a priority for her other than high school. Um, and if I wanted to go to college, it was fine. However, it was um, I it was understood that I needed to wait until my brother graduated from college in order me in order for me to even enroll and actually my brother ended up getting a double master's degree at Yale 
So, and he's five years younger than me. So by the time he graduated, I would have been in my late thirties to even start school. So I don't know if they keep SAT scores for 20 years, but you know, yeah, that, that would have been my path. You were going to be waiting a long time. Yes. A long time. So how, how old were you when you moved away from home? Um, I was about 19. And where, what did you do? Did you stay local near where your family lived? Yes, I stayed stayed local. um, And, um, well, maybe it was about 20 when I moved out. Uh, But yeah, I stayed local. Um, It wasn't too far, maybe about 20 minutes away from my parents. Yeah, but I had decided... um, even though I wasn't allowed to go to college, I had decided to actually enroll myself into a trade school and, um, you know, against her wishes, but I did it anyway. Cause I knew I wanted to have a career. I wanted to do something. And so, okay. You know, they, they told me that there would be no math class. So I'm like, okay, great. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> what inspired you? Where, did you have other female role models in your life that, um, kind of empowered you. It takes a lot of guts to move out of your house at 19, 20 years old and enroll yourself in a trade. I probably did. I can't remember who they are at this moment, but I probably did have a mentor or, you know, somebody I did look up to, but I knew, I think just deep down inside, I knew I just didn't want to be a mother and a wife only like I wanted to um, have my own career. I I just always wanted to have that since I was a a child. Hmm. Yeah. That's that's good that you had that vision for yourself. So did you self-fund trade school then? Yes. So you were working and going to school? Yes. Yes. Yep. I was working full time and going to school. That must have been a lot. It took a lot of balancing to stay focused because you went to school for court stenography, right? Correct. Correct. And even how long is that program? Is it 18 months or? Well, if you're really dedicated and catch on really quick and study really hard, you could probably do it in about that. But most people take at least two years. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I took three years, but of course I, I didn't go full time. Set a full time job. Yeah, went to night school and things. Yeah, I um in high one of my high school friends actually went to become a court stenographer instead of choosing the college path. And I remember, even though this was decades ago, just she, she described the program. It was really intense. It was not um you know just an easy program to get through. So I commend you on that. Yeah, um, you know, we have to pass um, our national test. We have to pass it at 95 percent accuracy, 225 words per minute with two people speaking. Um, And, you know, there have been uh, many reporters who got 94.5 percent and they failed and they had to go back. So there aren't very many um, um, tests you know, tests that are given, exams that are given for careers, right, that you have to have an A in order to pass, like not just an A, but, you know, an A plus. Yes, yes, like near perfection. Yeah, yeah. Right, to pass their boards, yeah. 
But understandably so too, right? I mean, there's a lot riding on accuracy in the in the line of work that you're in. Right, right. You know, one technicality can can make or break a case, right? I'll know that. So yeah, accuracy is very important. What made you choose court stenography as your trade? You know, I didn't really know what it was at first. I just thought like, oh, it's those reporters that go to the courthouse and say, what did you think of the verdict? You know, but <laughs> um, turns out it's his whole career, you know. Um, but basically it's it's because, you know, there was no math class <laughs> for me. And I'm like, oh, and, and I like I like English, you know, I like to type. So I thought, OK, well, let me give it a try. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you graduated then when you were around, what, 23 years old, roughly. And did you go if you, if you took about three years, I'm figuring? Yeah. So I was out in 20 when I was 21. I started when I was 18. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I got certified. And so what was the next stop then in your career path? You worked Um, for a judge? Yeah, I worked for different companies like what I have now, um, you know, for other companies like that. And then I went into federal court after that, um, like two or three years later, I went into um, work for the federal courts. Okay. And... Can you share what one of the um, higher profile cases were that you worked on at one point? Well, I worked on a um, a Mexican mafia case mm-hmm. that lasted, oh gosh, about a year. Wow. Yeah, it's one of the longest cases and it was... Um, um, it was trifurcated. There was like a life sentence, you know, death penalty phase and, you know, others. Um, so it was three cases um, or three, yeah, three types of cases. So I, I did the death penalty phase. Um, so that was very interesting um, case. You know, I've worked on temptations case, you know, I've worked on, um, gosh, I worked on a case um, with the the band, the Eagles. Oh. You know, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of a different kind of get to see a, a whole gamut of, uh, of different industries. Yeah. And how fascinating to be behind the scenes in some of the situations you've probably found yourself in. Yeah. Yeah. Some stories are really, really interesting. Did you ever find yourself like really consumed with emotion by what you were hearing? And did it make your task then difficult? Because you've got to be speedy. Yeah. Um, Yes and no, where, you know, you do get involved, like just listening to everything, you know, but we are impartial. So, you know, we, we, we don't say anything, you know? Sure. No, of course. Of <laughs> yeah, course. Just maybe when we're, you know, uh, uh, editing our transcripts, mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, but you know, we're, we don't really say anything during proceedings. How many years was it between you working as a court reporter and launching your business? Probably close to 20 years. Oh, really? Okay. And what led you to becoming a business owner and um, 
you know, helping stenographers get placed. And you shared earlier your your tagline or, you know, what you often say is from file to trial. You offer so many services. You're essentially like a full service firm supporting um, legal litigations of all kinds. Right. 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 Litigation support. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I um, I actually didn't start out that way. You know, I actually just started with um, just the court reporting services and um it was actually born out of uh, during my um, radiation treatment. Um, so what led to it was, you know, people had always asked me, why don't you start your own business? And I always thought, no, I don't want to do that. You know, seems like a lot of work or whatever. And so um, I never did. However, you know, I had this um, this company I was working for and, you know, they had called me and said, you know, this this um, this uh, very um, good client was asking, was requesting for my services, you know, but I had a cancer surgery scheduled the Friday before Christmas. And this proceeding was going to take up, up until Thursday. It was like a five or six day um, job and they were all day. So, you know, um, I said, no, I can't because I cannot get the transcripts done because I have my cancer surgery scheduled. Um, and they said, well, he's really, you know, he really wants you on this case. You need to do it. You know, um, it's okay if you don't get your transcript in until the following year, you know, after the holidays. And I said, okay. So, but, but when I went there, I, you know, made sure I talked to all counsel and there were like 40 defense counsel and stuff. I talked to all of them saying, Hey, you know, we can have another reporter here. Um, I don't need to be here. Um, if you're okay with the transcript being after the new year, you know, um, they were like, fine. Oh, there's no judges on the bench or anything. So don't worry about it. You know? So I was like, okay. So I ended up taking it. And then that Friday, I had my surgery. Well, that Friday, I had so many phone calls and emails from them saying, oh, you're unprofessional. You don't even return our calls. You're ungrateful for the work that, you know, we've given you and you didn't turn in, didn't turn in your transcript. And there were like my voicemail was full. And then I don't even remember how many emails, but there was a lot of emails, you know, just saying call, 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 um, you know. Uh, to turn in your transcript, but, you know, I typically don't return calls during surgery. Um, (laughs) So, but when I got home, I was very distraught, you know, like, oh my gosh, you know, and um, so I ended up working even on a holiday, um, trying to finish the transcript um, and everything. So I did that. And then that's when I, you know, like my family, like we're, talking about, well, maybe we sh- I should start my own because, um, and I can treat court reporters with respect and yes, and make sure that they have a good working environment, you know, as much as I, you know, I can, but that was my goal. And that's what, that's what led me to start my business. Hmm. Well, what an um, incredible outcome from, you know, a bad diagnosis, right? I mean, you've essentially created a bit of an empire here with offices in Honolulu, Seattle, LA. Um, and now as we mentioned, you know, you're pretty full service. So that's amazing. 
Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, out of, you know, that, um, I guess maybe it happened for me, you know, so that I can move on to this next phase of my life. You know, it, was it a bad situation at the time? Yes, but maybe there was a purpose to it. That's how I look at it. Yes. Yeah. No, I totally, I always say something good comes out of everything bad. Always. <laughs> we just got to figure it out. Sometimes it takes time. Right. Right. So what was, do you remember what some of the first actions you took were to officially launch your business? Like beside the legal, you know, like creating the the business, the corporation or the LLC, besides those types of things, how did you go from you kind of being a solopreneur, right, to being a CEO and founder of, of such a large business? What were those early steps? You know, it didn't happen overnight. It did no. take some time. Yeah, it did take some time, um, you know, um, but... Luckily, I had really great relationships. Um, I did not advertise. I built my business purely on um, relationships, you know, and that's how I grew where, it, you know, we're, we're getting so much work. There's no way I could do it, you know, by myself. So I had to start hiring um, people to help me out. You know, when it was small, I could do everything, you know. But yeah, as you know, then I needed more reporters and I needed more um, staff to help me. Yeah. So that's how it started rolling. But yeah, it, w- it was actually born out of relationships. So, you know, I always encourage everyone, business people to uh, maintain and um, have the best relationships with with your clients. Yeah. Yeah. So such a big part of your reputation, right? And your ability to grow your business, especially if you've done a lot of it on referral, it, you have to have a stellar reputation, right? And that'll, I, I mean, I think so much of that stems from customer service. Right, right. You know, and, you know, and the fact that we care. So sometimes, you know, um, there could be a, an issue that arises, you know, sometimes like um, if, you know, when I hire court reporters, I, I cannot control all the court reporters or whoever. And if something happened, you know, um, they're late to a, a proceedings because, you know, they got in a car accident or whatever. You know, sometimes there's just things that are unforeseen, but I still have to take responsibility for it, you know, and make sure that the client is taken care of. Yeah. What are uh, one? Can you share one of the more challenging situations you've encountered with with being a business owner and how you handled it? I think that one of the biggest challenges are, um, you know, the people you work with. Um, So hiring and um, and making sure that you have your team, a really good team, you know, um, a team that you know, you can count on and, um, they have the same goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they have really good attitudes and, um, kind of even like entrepreneurial spirit. I kind of like that as part of a, a team. You know, yeah. You know, and people who aren't afraid to help each other out, um, I do my best to cultivate that type of environment. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Kind of familial, right? Like one for all, all for one. Right, right. You know, it's not 
you know, we're a smaller company. Um, you know, I don't have like thousands of employees, you know, and so, um, sometimes, you know, your coworker might need help. Um, so if you're freeing up, you can let them know like, Hey, you know, do you need any help? Um, I'm going to be free in about a couple hours and be done with all my assignments or tasks or projects, you know? And so I've encouraged them to all reach out to each other, you know, and sort of, um, be there for each other. Mm -hmm. Right. That's right. That's great. Makes you're creating a place that people want to work at when the environment's like that. Right. I would encourage, you know, other business owners to do the same. 100%. I, I feel the same way. Uh, so you have offices in three different states, California, uh, Washington, and Hawaii. How do you manage from a high level three different locations like that? Do you have a, a local manager in each of those locations? Or is a lot of your work also, vir- like you specifically as the CEO, is a lot of your work virtual? Are you able to manage? I know you live in Hawaii. Are you able to manage a lot of your work from where you are? How are you? I mean, I I have one business and it almost feels like with three locations, you're probably just constantly working or you have an amazing management team. Yeah, (laughs) right now I'm constantly working and I am looking for a really great manager right now, actually, to, you know, to help out. But yeah, so I do fly back and forth you know, um, to the different offices, um, to, uh, manage and check in and, you know, uh, that type of thing, but we're very good with meetings and, you know, um, they're very, um, open if they do have questions, you know, my door is always open so they can come to me. Um, and we, we built up a pretty good, um, system, um, so that they can, there's a place we call it, we call it the wiki. We have a Wikipedia company, Wikipedia, where everyone can come in and uh, read any SOPs on how to do things or templates, you know, what to say, how to answer the phone, you know, just like all these little things that we, that every employee is going to need to know. Um, It's one central place. So it doesn't matter. And they could just log in. So it doesn't matter where they live. And uh, what are your offices actually used for? Since I'm I'm imagining that a lot of your colleagues actually go to different courts or different locations to do the work that they do. So what actually happens in your offices? Well, um, we do have conference rooms. So many times, you know, um, if they need a location, they'll come to our office. We have everything set up, even if it's a hybrid proceedings like remote, you know, um, remote and some people in person, you know, we can facilitate those things, but yeah, in the office, that's where all the production happens, you know, all the transcripts are put together. Um, and, um, so, you know, the, the, uh, um, the product that goes out, you know, they come in, they, we still QC everything and make sure everything is accurate. Yeah. If we need to burn, a DVD or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. Interesting. Well, that that makes sense. Where do you see yourself taking your business in the, say, in the next three to four years? You know, I would just love to grow it. 
Um, and I would like to um, grow my team. When you say grow, what, what does that mean for you? Um, grow to other states? Do you see yourself franchising this or, you know, taking it national to some extent? Like what, how do you see yourself growing it? Actually, we do cover nationwide, um, even though our brick and mortar offices are in three states. But, you know, like we just covered something in Arkansas. We just covered something in Arizona and um, Wisconsin. I was thinking Milwaukee. Well, Wisconsin, you know, so we are national. You know, so I would like to eventually have a presence on the East Coast, you know, um, our our L.A. office does kind of bridge some of the time gap, but it'd be great to have on the East Coast as well so that, you know, we can facilitate clients um, for longer periods of time, depending on their time zones and things. Yeah. So I would like to, you know, increase, of course, increase revenue. Yes. You know. When you think about that growth and expansion, is there anything about it that keeps you up at night or that you're really trying to figure out how to do? Because I find scaling a business to be quite challenging, almost a little more challenging than the startup phase. So I'd be curious to hear your insight around that. You know, I agree. I agree with that. So I think that's why I say, you know, your team is so important. So I've been investing a lot into my team. Um, you know, training them and um, helping them grow because if they succeed, I'll succeed, you know. Um, so, yeah, getting in the right people and getting them trained so that um, we're ready for that growth. Because, you know, I can go out there and, and, and get more business, but if we can't handle it because of, you know, who we have is not enough, then right. we need more, yeah. So true. Yeah. I think that a company brand can grow um, through the founder's personal brand. Uh, I believe that that's possible. Uh, what are you doing to to help elevate the visibility of your business through grow through kind of expanding your personal brand or putting yourself out there more? You know, at first, I really, really struggled at putting myself out there. And um, scaling, like you said, is different from startup. So, you know, I had built my business from relationships, but I got to a point where, you know, now I needed to expand farther than the relationships that I've had and create more. So marketing, um, kind of like what you have, you know, with your websites and things, um, you know, having that presence, um, having social media done and continuously uh, doing that and being on an amazing podcast like yours, you know, to bring um, uh, brand awareness. Yeah. 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 Well, you also mentioned too, um, pre-call that you're working on creating kind of a signature talk as well. And you're planning to hit the, the speaker circuit. How's that process feeling for you? And, and what are you going about? How are you going about uh, putting yourself out there as a speaker? You know, it's been an amazing experience. And what actually some of the, the prompts are, you know, is when I had to do presentations uh, for my company, 
you know, and I was also, I was a guest lecturer at UCLA Law School um, and I had flown in for that, um, but they didn't have like a microphone. They didn't have, you know, um, uh, the setup was a little bit, you know, different. And so, you know, I had a girlfriend filming me and she was saying, I needed to speak up more and project more. And so those kinds of things was really helpful to get that feedback. And then that's why I thought, you know what, I think I really need to, to uh, learn to do this. And so that I can speak well, you know, that kind of um, triggered why I wanted to um, learn more and improve my skills. So even though I'm, you know, running company, I'm also, you know, training myself, you know, I'm also to improve. Like I'm never going to stop improving. I'm always yeah. myself. Yeah. Well, I think that goes hand in hand with growing our businesses too, right? Like if we don't keep growing personal, personally challenging ourselves as owners and founders and investing in ourselves and our skills, we hit ceilings or plateaus with our companies. So that's that's wonderful that you're doing that. And I think the more you put yourself out there, the, the easier it'll be for you to grow your, your corporate brand. Right. And so I think when people see you, right, they need to see, you know, what you've been doing. They may not know you, especially those people that don't know you, you know, who want to get to know you. So if you don't put yourself out there, how are they going to know you? Because it is, you know, business is very relational. Yes. Yeah. I always say business is personal. Yes. <laughs> it is personal. <laughs> it is. It's very personal. How does your mom now feel about your career that you've, you know, you're guest lecturing, you've worked for a judge, you're growing this empire. What, what are her thoughts now? I think she was surprised that I took it this far because she mm -hmm. was not happy when I, you know, enrolled myself into school. Mm -hmm. um, so she is uh, pleasantly surprised, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure she's very proud of you. <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah. Well, Irene, it's been wonderful hearing your story. Where is the best place for people to learn about you? Um, if you said you're hiring for a manager, where can people find out about that role and opportunity? Um, well, they can e email our company, you know, um, yeah, at info at ideporeporters.com. Um, we're hiring in Hawaii currently um, about three to four positions. Um, our website is ideporeporters.com. Um, for Hawaii, it's idepohawaii.com. Um, you can reach us there. You can follow me on LinkedIn at Irene Nakamura. Wonderful to hear from you. Congratulations on all your accomplishments and your growth. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what the future holds for you in Idepo. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to The Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.